You may be seated. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. This is the 13th sermon in a series of homilies on the divine liturgy of the Holy Orthodox Church. This year, in our study of the liturgy, we've been looking at the foundation of Christian worship as it is revealed to by God in the book of Genesis and down through all of Holy Scripture. Everything that happened in the Old Testament is a teaching about what God wants to do in the Holy Eucharist, in the Divine Liturgy. It's all a preparation. It's a school. It's a course to get us ready for this event, which we are participating in today. After the fall of man, through the transgression of Adam and Eve, through their disobedience, the whole world fell, nature fell, humanity fell. The laws of nature were even altered. Everything changed. And from that point on, God began to reveal how he was going to repair the damage, how he was going to heal the affliction which had come upon creation. And that's what the Holy Scriptures are about. It's what the history of, of humanity and the history of the nation of Israel specifically was about. So God immediately showed us in the way that he clothed Adam and Eve from the skins of animals, that sin had very serious consequences and had, there was a penalty to be paid. We need, to, we need to think about that in our own lives. You know, everything we do affects the people around us, especially if we are in a position of leadership. If you are a pastor, if you are a father or a mother, if you are an older brother, an older sister, if you are a citizen who affects other citizens, everything we do has a ripple effect. If we are walking in Christ, if we are living holy and righteous lives, and that holiness, that righteousness, that, that grace of God is going to flow out to others around us. Likewise, if we are involved in sin, if we are, if we are transgressing the law, if we are being negative, and combative in our thoughts, then that will have an effect on the people around us. We'll weigh them down. We set the tone for the world. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. And if we are shining with the light of Christ, then others will be able to benefit from that light. If we are the salt of the earth, then others will benefit from that preservative and that taste-enhancing quality of salt. So, God began to repair this problem. He clothed Adam and Eve with the skins of animals. And then we see in Abel that this concept of sacrifice was transferred to him and he offered up the firstborn of his flocks of the animals that he was raising, he offered up the firstborn to God as a sacrifice. We see this later in Noah, 
when he gets off of the ark and he has kept all the animals on the ark and seven pairs of the clean animals so that sacrifices could be made to God. And when he gets off of the ark, first, one of the first things he does is he builds an altar and he, he sacrifices some of these animals. So we see this is built into the human race now. This concept of sin, the concept of having to make atonement to pay for sin. The next phase of this revelation begins in the life of Abraham. Abraham is called by God, chosen out of all of the human race, for God to really zoom in and speak to a specific man and then to a specific people about his revelation of how he is going to save the whole world. <clears throat> and we see this in Abraham, that God talks directly to Abraham, and Abraham begins to walk with God, and everywhere that Abraham goes, he builds an altar. If you look in Genesis chapter 12 and 13 and read about the calling of Abraham and his 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 movement from one place to another, we see that each phase of his movement, he, it says that Abraham built an altar to the Lord at that place. And, but it also says not only that he built an altar, but it adds something very, very, very important. It says that Abraham called out to the Lord. It's not enough just to build an altar. It's not enough just to build a church or to um, have physical things set aside to, to show your religiosity. We have to have those things, but we have to, with that, we have to actually call out to the Lord. We have to have a real relationship with God where we really speak to Him and we listen to Him speak to us. And that was the case with Abraham. Very few people in the Bible had such a direct relationship with God as Abraham did. So God is calling Abraham, and it is through him that God will ultimately reveal, in a deeper way, his plan. We see this not only in Abraham offering up Sacrifices and building altars and calling out to God. But what happens to Abraham when he is involved in a battle? His nephew, Lot, who is always making the wrong choice, by the way, he wanted to live near the city where, where there were people and there was, there was commerce and things going on, more activity, more more entertainment, perhaps. He wanted to live there, and so he, he lived in this place. Abraham was off by himself, and his building his, his family and his, his uh, uh, flocks and everything, and growing and prospering, prospering. A lot is here living close to the city. Finally ends up in the city, as we'll see later on. <clears throat> but he gets caught up in this conflict between a bunch of kings. They're all, none of them are bad or good. I mean, they're just kings fighting over territory. He gets caught up in this and he gets captured by the king that won the battle. 
and he gets carried off. Well, Abraham finds out about it. Someone escapes from the battle and comes and tells Abraham. Abraham gathers his like 500 trained soldiers. This is how much Abraham has grown, by the way. God has prospered Abraham, even though he has no heir yet. He has no child yet of the promise. Yet God has prospered him and he has 500 men around him who are trained to fight. And he gathers gathers them together. He pursues the army that has captured Lot and he catches up with them and he defeats them. Destroys them. He gathers, he gets all the bounty and the booty from them. Calvary and the horses and all the livestock and everything that was salvaged. And he wins the victory. And then something very, very prophetic happens. Something very singular and unique in the Old Testament. A king comes out who has mysterious origin. Nobody knows where he came from. His name is Melchizedek. It's a great name, by the way. It's a great name to have next time you have a, have a child. Anybody in the church here? <laughs> Melchizedek. We call him Mel for short. Melchizedek comes out. He's the king of Salem. Salem means peace. He's the king of peace. And what is he bringing out? Bread and wine. He brings out bread and wine and offers them to Abraham. And Abraham worships him. Abraham worships him. We only worship God. Abraham sees that this is God. This is a prefigurement of Jesus Christ, the incarnation, who offers up his own body and his own precious blood for us in the Eucharist. So he brings out the bread and the wine and and Abraham worships him and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything that he salvaged from this battle. He gives them a tithe. That sets the biblical standard for us in our giving to the church. One-tenth of everything that we have. And we know that later on God established that and, and promised that he would bless Israel and all those people who, who would do that, would give their tithe. That the, God said he would open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings upon them. So we see in this act a foreshadowing of the Holy Eucharist and how God was to be worshipped until the ages, until his return. It is our great privilege and joy, my brothers and sisters, my children in Christ, to be able to participate in this great mystery. This is a mystery that has been hidden from much of Christendom now. Many of our uh, evangelical friends have lost the meaning of this. You know, they pray, they, they study their Bible, and they, they're good people, but they've lost this essential act of Christian worship. They may have it to some degree, but even those who participate in it regularly in a, in a modified form, 
do not participate in the fullness of it as we are able to do. So let us not take this for granted. But as we gather today for the Holy Eucharist, let us truly humble ourselves and contemplate on the great gift being given to us and how we have been rescued from the fall and restored to the fullness of life and given the promise of abundant and eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory forever.